All right, I'm going to read three texts um, very quickly, and that's where we're going to go today. I just want to bring three different scriptures. And the first is, we've already heard it from Jeremy as he opened the meeting today, is Psalm 65. If you want to turn there, Psalm 65 again, if you've just walked in, the title of this message is The Crown. The Crown. Psalm 65 and verse 11. You crowned the year with good things, and your carts will overflow with abundance. Isn't it wonderful? God is crowning the year with good things. And what, no matter what year you may have had, I want to encourage you to, as we go to the top of this year, the pinnacle which is today, that we remind ourselves of all the good things that he has done. You know, if I had a crown here this morning, a, a crown looks like this, does it not? A crown goes up and a crown goes down. He crowns the year with good things. And the truth is, there are ups and there are downs. There are highs and there are lows. There are valleys and there are mountain tops. But no matter how deep a valley you may have gone through, God wants you to know that he crowns the year with good things. And I want to encourage you to take a hold of the good things that he's done. Make, write them down. Talk to your kids about them. Say, learn the attitude of gratitude as a language that we say we are so thankful for all the good things that he has done this year. Well, it's been a pretty rough year. Some of you may have had the roughest year you've ever had, but I promise you, you can take the good and take it into next year. Because those, it's the good things are the pieces of bread and the little, the, the fish heads, if you like. Do you remember after the feeding of the 5,000 that Jesus had the disciples gather into baskets, 12 baskets, and put them into the boat? Immediately, they went into a storm. And it says in there, if you read it, it says, Jesus says, for they did not recognize the baskets. And I believe that the message in there is... There's power in the leftover pieces. There's power in the good, in the miracles that God has done. And if we will remember them, we can take them into the storm and they will serve a reminder of what God has done in his faithfulness and his goodness to us. Amen? That's why we need to bring these things to the surface. Amen? So the second scripture is in Psalm 84. Psalm 84, and I'll read that right now. Psalm 84, it says this, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house, O oh my God, than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is the sun and shield, and the Lord bestows favor and honor, and no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. We're going to talk about the house today. We're going to talk about being planted in the house because there's something that happens when we are planted in God's house. And here's one of them. I'll give you a little preview. Here's two things, favor and honor. Favor and honor come to those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Amen? Good morning, Stephen. It's good to see you. Just walked in the back there. Everybody look at Coco. Say good morning, Coco. We saw you come in. We don't want to shame you or embarrass you, but you are late. Um, Psalm 92, Psalm 92, verse 12. Here's the third scripture, and then we're going to break these down. For the righteous flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedars of Lebanon. And those who were planted, everyone say planted. Those who were planted in the house of the Lord will thrive in the courts of their God. For they will still bear fruit in old age. We're going to talk about that this year. For they will still bear fruit in old age. You know, if you still have a pulse, then you still have a purpose. God has a purpose for us. And you know what? The older we get, the more rooted we are, the more fruitful I believe God wants us to be. That we can be, as we get older, there's a purpose with every breath that we have. Amen? To make his name famous, to make his name glorious. So those who are planted in the house of the Lord will thrive in the courts of their God. Even in old age, they will still bear fruit. They will stay fresh and green. You know, we're going to stay fresh and green in 2018. 
fresh and green because those who are planted in the house of the Lord will thrive in the courts of their God. We're going to look at what it means to be in the courts of their God, what it is to be in the house of God, what it means to be planted, what it means to be rooted, what are good roots, what are bad roots, how do you stay fresh, how do you stay green, how do you run with purpose all the way to the end? The Lacavas are back. I had, I had um, I went out with uh, Dr. Lacava this week, and he said, he said, when we get old, the Bible does not say we have to die of sickness. Not to go, uh, our bodies, maybe, now outwardly we are wasting away, 2 Corinthians 4 says, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. We're being renewed day by day, so our bodies, these tents, eventually will give up, but we don't have to die of sickness. We can be like Enoch that walks with God till he was no more. Come on. Yes. All right. He crowns the year with good things. <clears throat> Proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. Okay. So I'm going to just bring three points from whoop, these three scriptures. The first being he crowns the year with good things. Psalm 65. He crowns the year with good things. The title of my message is the crown. The crown. See, church, when we, when we see a crown, life goes up and life goes down. Amen? Even though I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. But there are times that we go through valleys. But, you know, as you go up a mountain and we're ascending, we're becoming more like Jesus, and we're on this journey, there are still valleys in the mountain as we go up. There was a great mountain climber. I've told this story before. Um, he was about to climb Mount Everest for the third time. He'd failed twice, and he was there at a press conference, and the press said, Sir, why are you doing this again? You nearly died twice, and now you're going to climb again for the third time. What makes you think that this time will be any different than the last two times? And at this press conference, behind him was a huge picture of Mount Everest. And he turned to the picture behind him and he pointed at the picture and he said, Mount Everest, you beat me once. Mount Everest, you beat me twice. But Mount Everest, I will beat you because you can't get any bigger, but I can. And see, when we're going from faith to faith and glory to glory, that whether we go through a valley, it's just a shadow of death we keep we keep going through and see what will happen is the next year when we look back we'll think wow i went through this experience before but this time it just doesn't seem to have any hold on me this time which just this time what seemed to be a mountain that last year seems like a hill this year and then it just feels like a speed bump and if you're into skateboarding you can get air off a speed bump so church, this is, I want to encourage you again, glean the good things, bring them before your heavenly father. You know, the older I get, I more live in the light of eternity. I try every day and look at the end of my life from glory and look back to what I'm doing today and tomorrow and the next day. Psalm 90 is a Psalm of Moses and says, teach us, O God, to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That we need to look at our days, how we only have so many days left. <laughs> but but number them are right. Use each one of them. If you still have a pulse, then you still have a purpose. He crowns the year with good things. You know your past is a great teacher, but it's a terrible master. The past is a great teacher, but it's a terrible master. It's a horrible thing when God's people stay in the valley when the Bible says, even though I go through it. And I'm going to pray at the end of this meeting in a moment, and I'm going to smash some things. And Diana had a prophetic word today about Isaiah 61, about the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. And then there is five, five times where we see a divine exchange. And one of them, he's given me a garment of praise instead of a, a what of despair? A spirit. Hello. A spirit of despair. Another translation says a spirit of heaviness. Ephesians chapter 6 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness. And one of the things I, I think is stifling the church and God's people, and I hate it, is when there's a spirit of heaviness, when there's a spirit of despair upon them. And it sh we shouldn't, you know, Peter says this, he says, think it not 
strange when you face the fiery darts of the enemy. We shouldn't think it's odd, duh, when the enemy tries to attack us. Why? Because if you can attack our hope, if you can attack our joy, then he is snuffing out the light of the world, which is you and me. Because he's called us to be the salt and the light of the earth. So if he can shroud us with despair, he can shroud us with heaviness. He'll try it. That's why we need to watch. Paul says, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. We need to be careful of weariness. I've said this before. I did a teaching on weariness. I personally believe that weariness is always from the enemy. In Daniel Daniel chapter 7, it says, before the ancient of days comes, the enemy will come to weary the saints. Isaiah chapter 40 says, talks about weariness. Hebrews talks about weariness. Do not grow weary in doing good. Jesus says, come to me, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. To hell with the devil. Because think it not strange, church, think it not strange. I'm going way off my notes here, but I'm just going to go for it. Um, think it not strange when you face the fiery darts of the enemy. And we all do it, see? But when the enemy comes to attack us, we start to believe lies. But we need to grab those lies. That's why Paul says, take every thought captive. Take the thought captive that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. He wants to build a wall in front of you so you can't see the knowledge of God. So the enemy builds this wall so you're just like, oh my gosh, there's a big wall. But then Paul says, we have the power... We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We rage war not as the world does, but we have divine power. Everyone say divine power to demolish strongholds. And we can blow up his bridges. We can blow up his walls. We can blow, we can blow it up. So we can live a full life. Jesus came that we have life and have it in abundance. But the devil comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. Life will make you bitter, or life will make you better. And so often the things that stop us, God wants to say, don't stop there. Keep going. Keep pushing through. Press on. Press on. Push through. Run, run, run. To push through the weariness. Say, no, I'm not going to give in to this. Devil, I'm going to kick you in the teeth with the word of God. Amen. (laughs) Honestly, I, I may get a little passionate today, but I'm sick of seeing God's people picked off like what we have this life this is it we could have been born at any other time in history but God chose us for such a time as this to be together at this time in history to make a difference for up to 120 years and if you spend time with the Lakavas maybe you'll live a little bit longer but church this is it to make some noise for the king to leave a mark on history to do something great for God Amen? Amen. So we're about to close this year. But I want to challenge us to leave certain things in this year as we turn over the page into a brand new year. So what are you going to let go of? What are you going to release? What are you going to say, I'm going to leave that behind? Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's offense. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's a, a, a habitual pattern that you're in. You know, the writer of Hebrews says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Sometimes it's not sin, it's just stuff. Other times it's stuff, and it's, it's not stuff, it's sin. But he says, whatever it is, it's so easy to get tangled up in it. Let us throw it off and let us run the race with perseverance. Amen? So we're going to pray for these in a minute, okay? You know, I, I found this, that the healthiest people that I know, the greatest leaders are always, they are people that number one, give, and number two, they forgive. I said again, number one, they give, and number two, they forgive. I found them to be the healthiest, happiest people on the planet. They've learned the art of not harboring unforgiveness. And they've learned the art of being a giver. Proverbs 11:25 says, "He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed." He who, another translation says, "He who waters somebody else will himself be watered." You know, Brandon talked today about the fig tree. You know, Jesus cursed the fig tree because it didn't feed what was feeding it. It broke a law of the Spirit. There's a principle of the Spirit. Whatsoever a man sows, that he shall also reap. When God sows into us, he expects a harvest. 
Imagine if you were just driving by, if you were taking your kids to McDonald's and, and it was closed, you don't burn it down. Well, that's what Jesus did with the fig tree. But the reason why is because it broke a law of the Spirit. It wasn't bearing fruit. John 15, it is to my glory, it is to my Father's glory that you bear fruit and fruit that will last. It brings glory to the King when we bear fruit. And it's so, that's the, the rain cycle, by the way, right? The rain falls and then it becomes humidity and it goes up into a cloud. And so we feed what's feeding us. I'll maybe dig into this another time, but it's so important that we, that we, we, you know, what you feed grows, what you starve dies. What we feed grows, what we starve dies. I talked to, I met um, a trial attorney this week. I don't know if he's here this morning. He was going to come. Is that Todd here? He's a trial attorney. I met him in a coffee shop and, and um, asked me what I did and I got chatting to him and, and uh, and he said, man, I want to come. I want to see this. And he started to talk about his life, which I won't go into today. But he just began to pour out his life. And he said something which stuck with me. He said, there's a man named uh, Charles Stanley, which is uh, Andy Stanley's father. Some of you may have heard of him. And he said this. He, said, he went to a psychiatric ward. And he made this statement, or the psychiatrist did, that 50% of the people in this psychiatric ward would not be here if someone would forgive them. See, it's not just for it's not just forgiving yourself, but it's forgiving on and it's not just asking for forgiveness from someone else, it's giving somebody the gift of forgiveness. I forgive you. You owe me nothing. See, when we withdraw and what we're trying to do is with, I'm going to try, if I withdraw, I'm trying to afflict on you my disappointment, but the only thing that really happens is I I I suffer. <laughs> See, there's power in forgiveness. And we, offer it, we can offer it as a gift to somebody else. I encourage you this year to offer somebody the gift of forgiveness. This is very, a very fundamental um, truth that we have. It's part of our culture class. It's, it's a foundational teaching in the Word of God. On church, I'm just going to remind you of it very quickly. And I know I'm throwing out a lot of scriptures that I want to pray and, and get you all out of here. But... Uh, Matthew chapter 18 says this. Jesus says this. He says, if your brother wrongs you, go to him, just the two of you, and show him his fault. If he hears you, you won your brother. There's the key, right? But if he doesn't, take two or three. Bring somebody else. Then take two or three. If he doesn't, take it before the church, right? This is a very foundational teaching. Matthew chapter 5 says, if you know your brother has something against you, leave your offering on the altar and go and be reconciled with your brother. Okay, so the onus is upon us either way. If I have an issue with my brother, Jesus says, I want you to go to him, just the two of you. Don't talk to anybody else. Go and talk to your brother. If he doesn't hear you, say, I'm going to bring somebody else in. But watch this. If you, don't, if you go to somebody else, and I just want to lay this remind. This is a foundational teaching in this church, and it's so powerful. If somebody else comes to you and talks to you about someone else, say, what happened when you went and told them? Oh, I haven't yet. Then you need to do that, and I'm not going to listen until you have. But if they don't hear you, please come, and I will gladly sit with you then, and I'll hear the issue then. And you know what will be? will become healthy, strong. It works in marriage. It works with your children. It works in the church. It's a biblical principle. Jesus always does that with us. I promise you this. If Jesus will always come to you and show you your fault first before somebody else comes and tells you you're doing something wrong because Jesus said it and he would be a hypocrite and violate his own principle if he didn't do it himself. That's why you can be sure God doesn't want to embarrass us, but he will also, when he brings somebody else in, you can be sure he already came to you first privately. Amen? These are so fundamental teachings. But you know, I sat with a, a, um, a gentleman recently who is the leader of a massive organization. And as he was beginning to talk, he began to talk ill about someone else. And I felt myself... You need to hear that, you just think, note to self, don't tell this person anything. <laughs> and in the end, I thought... I felt the Holy Spirit just, I thought, just because we're leaders doesn't make you exempt from biblical basic teachings. 
So I squeezed his arm and I said, Sir, I res- I'm trying to respect you, but I'm losing respect really fast because you're speaking ill about someone else. Have you gone to them? Well, no, I just, I know. At your age, you should know this. I don't mean to be rude, but I think it's a disgrace the way you're talking about somebody else. And I don't want anything to do. See, in Psalms it says this, there are six things that God hates and there's one that is detestable to him and it's he who stirs, everyone say stirs, up dissension amongst the brethren. And so I, what I did is I held his hand and I said, it's like you've got a stirrer in your hand and I'm asking you to stop it. He's like, well, love you. See, if you, if, you, if you can't keep a confidant, it breaks confidence. It's the same word. So I was losing confid- com- confidence in this person because they couldn't be a confidant. See, church, this is a fun- fundamental thing. But you know what it will do? It will make us healthy, strong. And the enemy is not stupid. If He who repeats a matter separates close friends. And I've talked about this before. About Remember the serpent hides between the cracks. We are living stones. If we keep the stones tight, stop it. Don't do it. I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what kind of big your ministry is. Stop it in Jesus' name. It's unhealthy. And the enemy loves it. And you're playing into his hand. And you yourself are going to get all mangled up. Amen? Really, these are just reminders. I know we all know this. You know, few people know the story behind the story. If you're not one of them, shut your mouth. That's a good quote. You can tweet that. Okay. (laughs) Here's another one. This is from Christine Kane. If you didn't see it with your own eyes or hear it with your own ears, don't speak it with your big mouth. That's another great one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Happy New Year. (laughs) 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 Um, Is this okay? Is this... You know, there's certain things we can leave behind. That's why I'm doing it today. See, we can leave it behind. See, God has mercies on you every morning. God isn't here to beat us up. You see, the Holy Holy Spirit never condemns us. He only convicts us. And he convicts us so we can change. Amen? And we can change. We can help people say, hey, listen. Hey, let's not not go there. Please stop talking. Go and talk to them. Did you talk to them? Well, yeah, I did. They wouldn't listen. Great. Then I will hear this when I'm sitting with the person. And I promise you, you know what you'll feel, the first thing? The anointing of the Holy Spirit. Instead of that yuck feeling, I don't feel safe, you'll feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Because the anointing, I believe, is when God says, I agree. And he loves it. He loves unity. And where there's unity, God commands a blessing. Therefore, I could suggest where there's not unity, God doesn't. Amen? Um, Just offense. Everyone say offense. If we take offense, we create offense. (laughs) And suddenly we have offense around us. Don't, don't, don't take offense. They said they took offense at Jesus. They picked up offense. Don't take offense. I said this to someone recently, and, um, and I found it true in my own life. Um, do you remember the story with Martha? Martha is, is fixing a meal, and she's frustrated with Mary because Mary won't help her do the preparations. So Mary goes and stitches her up. You know, I'm sorry, Martha goes and stitches Mary up to Jesus, telling on her, Right? Can you tell her she's not helping? And there's something hidden, which I just may help somebody here today. It's, it helped me. Some people get offended because they're, wor- heavy, they're working really hard at something that was never required of them. Some people take offense and get offended, which creates offense, because they work hard to give something to someone else that they never wanted. Jesus didn't want a food. He didn't want the meal. He wasn't interested in the preparation. And he said, Mary chose what was right. Only one thing is required. And Mary got it right. Martha, Martha, why do you worry about so many things? Only one thing is required. Church, sometimes, and you can find this in your own life, I can many a time, I worked so hard, I did this, they didn't seem to care. Don't give things to people and then get offended when you thought that's what they wanted. But it's not what you thought that's what they wanted, but it wasn't really, I honestly, it brought me to my knees. I'm like, oh, that's what's going on here. I'm offended because I have given all this stuff and this time and blah, blah, blah. No one appreciates it. No one asks for it. Oh. 
But in, if we're planted in the house of the Lord, one thing we can do is ask, what's required? What can I do? What can I do? Number two, let's move on to the next one. Gosh, fast. Number two is Psalm 84. Psalm 84. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house, in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. You know, I'm passionate about God's house. Everyone say the house. I'm passionate about the local church. I love the world. I love nations. But I believe that the local church is the answer for the world. There's one church in multiple localities. And we're a part of that. And that's why every church needs to know what is God called that, that, that particular part of the body in that particular vicinity, whether it be a state, whether it be a, 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 a city. What is of God has God called us to do? I've said this before, but God hasn't called us just to come along and get along. That's a part of it, fellowship, devoting ourselves to fellowship. But there's a purpose. This church has, an, has a mandate from heaven. It has a blueprint from heaven. It has DNA. It has prophetic seed. It wasn't planted by man. It was planted by God. And the vision that we carry is not one, it's not my vision. It's, because, it's a heavenly vision. And that's why prophetic people are drawn to it. People of the Spirit are drawn to it because they recognize this is a heavenly vision. Paul says to King Agrippa, King Agrippa, I must be faithful to the heavenly vision. There's the visions and then there's heavenly visions. Some are from God and some are from us. But church, this has a heavenly blueprint. It has a heavenly vision. Just very quickly, I'll just tell my story just very quick. But I grew up as a pastor's kid. As you knew, I grew up in a city called Bath. I'm one of five children, a brother and sister older and brother and sister younger. My elder brother, uh, Simon, has went on to be with the Lord a week before Christmas. Um, many years ago, he was killed in a car accident while he was on a mission trip in South Africa. And so I grew up in a culture of God moving in power, healing, signs, wonders, and miracles. I grew up in the house of God. I grew up in a local church. It was a healthy church. It was a lively church. And when I turned 19, I really had a passion to make money. And so I bought my first house when I was 20 years old and flipped it, made $18,000 in 12 weeks and decided to go to Bible school in St. Louis. Fee and I were dating at the time. She came and finished the last few months of our Bible school training. And on the last day, I asked her if she would marry me in a hot air balloon over St. Peter's, where, by the way, we now have a church, a life church, St. Peter's. And uh, she said yes. <laughs> Couldn't really say no. <laughs> uh, and we moved back to England, and we started um, buy, doing, buying and selling houses. I just had a passion to, to restore character buildings. So we bought an old thatch cottage, and we bought another house and another house. And then one day, we, uh, in a place called Nettle Hill, which was like the headquarters of the apostolic movement that we were a part of, there's a man named Bryn Jones, whose daughter's here today, Keris, and he invited um, uh, all the pastors of this of this ministry um, to come together and every month he would have a different minister or a different apostle from a different movement come and teach from a different angle which was very healthy and this particular time there was a man named Gerald Coates Coates was there and I was asked invited to go along and I was I wasn't married yet and there I was in this meeting felt very privileged to be there and this man Gerald Coates stopped preaching and he prophesied over me and another man and he had us come to the front, and he had us lay hands on each other, and the power of the Holy Spirit hit us, and we fell on the ground. When I got up, this person, who also went down, who I'd never seen before in my life, said, Hi, my name's Tom Kyle. I said, Hi, my name's Dan Reynolds. And he said, while I was on the ground, God spoke to me and said, You should come and speak in the church that I'm leading in the north side of London. Tom's American, as you know, married to Randy. And I said, I'd love to. So I went with Fee, and we spoke there in the church. Well, first of all, I said, I'd never preached before. He said, you'll be fine. I'd never preached before in my life. Tom opened the door for me, and I preached that day. And the title of my message, which was about 28 pages long, these big yellow pads of paper, was called Living in the Light of Eternity. And God knitted our hearts together, and God spoke to Fee and I about selling our, uh, moving our business and going and being with Tom and Randy. We did that, and I couldn't find work. I had seven people working for me full-time. I was flipping houses. Life was good. We were dinks, double income, no kids. We had lots of money. We did what we want where we want. And life was great. 
But now we're going to go into ministry. Not full-time. We're just going to go and serve in the house of the Lord. God joined us with this couple. And there we were. I can't find work. And so I ended up working on a building site. So a few months before, I had seven people working for me full-time. Now I'm literally on a building site. Uh, and I thought, what's going on? And every day I'd have to drive an hour to work. I got paid minimum wage. And this man who was a Christian had me doing the worst job on earth. I had to load dumpsters. I had to, I had to pull weeds. I had to pull trees in the pouring rain because it was England and it's always raining. And one day I got really mad and I threw the tree down in the middle of the, I was up to my knees in mud. And I said, God, I'm a businessman, you know. I should not be doing this. You ever had one of those prayers that nothing happens, like silence? God doesn't answer that prayer at all. And I thought, well, it only lasts a short time. And days became weeks and weeks became months. And I just had this horrible job. I was on minimum wage. And one day, it was Friday, I went to get paid from my boss. And I said, where do you want me next week? And he looked at me deep in the eye. He said, you're fired. I was like, fired? You can't fire me from the worst job on earth. I load dumpsters. That's what I do. He said, you're fired figure it out. I'm like, God, I moved here to serve. I moved here to, to learn. I l- moved here to be a part of your house. And then I, I'm so exhausted at the end of every day. And so we met, met Tom and Randy and they encouraged us and we bought another house. And suddenly like a crown, our life went down and now it's up again. And now we're buying a house and we bought another house and then we made money. And then we said, let's buy a house for us. So we bought the house and we fixed it all up. And we, we moved in and like the week we moved in, Tom and Randy said, let's take us for, take, take, can we take you out for lunch? And they took us out for lunch and said, we're moving back to America. We're like, what? And V said, you're joking. I said, he's not joking. Said, when are you going? In 10 weeks. Said, but we just moved here. We just bought a house. Said, Sorry. Suddenly the crown that was up here suddenly going down again. So God said, I want you to sell your house and use the proceeds and move to Elgin with Tom and Randy. And you're going to be on an apprenticeship and you, just, you're not, you need to learn. So we got there and we, people said, you're going to spend all your money. You only had, and I had a lot of money. We were only, you know, we probably had 50 grand that we'd made from the sale of that house. And people said, you need to invest it. It's like, nope, we're going to use it until it's all gone. And we did that for a year and a half until all the money was gone. And then we started working nights um, in a daycare. We'd start about midnight and we'd work till about three in the morning. V and I would do it. Tom, Tom Kyle would sometimes do it with us. And uh, we'd clean toilets for the, for the, in these little for this daycare but you know the reason why is I look back and I look at a journey and you look back at the end of the year and you think God you're so good there was a seed in there that had a passion for his house and you know what I want you to, the reason I'm telling this story is even today better is one day in your course than a thousand elsewhere I'd rather just be in your house God I love your house I love the local church these are your people I love being here and when I look fast forward to what God did, and then we moved here to, we moved back to England, went to Bible college, and um, Fee got pregnant with the twins. And then we, after when the twins were 10 weeks old, God gave us a dream about moving to St. Charles, and we moved here. And the rest is history. We started in a coffee shop and ended up moving here and buying here. And then I look what's happened since. And God spoke to me years, several years back. There's so many details to this, but He said, I want you to lay down flipping houses. I'd start to do it here. He said, I've not called you to build houses. I've called you to build my house. And fast-forwarding many years, God said, after that, the church was here, was up and gone, you can flip houses again. And I look back now and I think, God, you're so faithful. This last two years has been, you know, a bit of this. The crown's gone up and down. There's been good things. There's been bad things. The church here has gone through changes, challenging times. But he crowns the year with good things. And as at the top of this year, just looking back this week, I thought, God, in the last few years, not only have you, you've, you've expanded your house, we're now six going on seven churches that are relating to us. With the DNA from this house, in all the challenges reproduced itself in Morris and in Chicago and in St. Louis. Now, Jim and Teresa and, and, and down in Nashville have also just joined us as a network of churches and it's the same DNA. It's the same root. It's the same prophetic seed. 
So church, I'm, in, I'm just kind of saying this today, looking from the top of this year back, not just to a year, but the last few years. And I'm just saying, God, thank you. You crowned the year with good things. You've been so faithful. You've been so good. And sometimes when, we, when we're in the valley, we don't see it. But when you get to the top of the mountain, when you get to the top of the crown and you look and you have a peak, you think, wow, that's amazing. And even though we go through the valley, we learn to get speed going down one side so we can get air coming up the other. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to just close up here. The third one is Psalm 92. And I want to end with this one because I think it's where we're going to park for a while in this year being planted in the house of the Lord. Next week, we're going to hear about Psalm 92. And we're going to break it apart and look at it from different angles. And there's so much in this passage. There's so much in this scripture. But Psalm 92, I'm just going to read a little bit. Psalm 92 verse 12 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedars of Lebanon. I'm just going to pause for one sec. Hun, can you come up here and just, have you got a microphone there, Jem? Um, uh, Fee's taught on this before. I don't know if she's done it here. But just, Hun, really just give us a snapshot on uh, palm trees and the cedar of Lebanon. Hello. Yeah, uh, no, I just think it's really clever of God. We often read those verses in the Psalms and kind of maybe breeze over them, but it's really significant about the palm trees because we know that palm trees were are the most flexible trees and in a hurricane they can bend to their touching the ground and then they spring all the way back and that's what we as Christians are meant to be like, really, really flexible and it doesn't matter what comes against you, you can bend all the way down and you spring all the way back up, right? There's a lot more there with palm trees, but the other is cedars of Lebanon, which were the, as you may know, the strongest of trees. Their roots went down the deepest. They were very straight and there was no play in them. And my favorite bit about it is they were impenetrable from pests and decay. And so again, these things are really significant that we're Christians. We should be impenetrable from pests yeah. and decay. What are pests and decay? Well, it's the, anything the enemy throws at you. Mm. All this yuck stuff, the offense and shame, and guilt and weariness, it's, that's, that's pests mm. that's trying to eat away. But the cedars of Lebanon were impenetrable. They couldn't be touched by pests and decays. I just think that's awesome. So good. But uh, isn't that great? You're so pretty. You're so much prettier than me. So you'll be like, this, like a palm tree and you'll be like the cedars of Lebanon. One is flexible, one is durable. You know, God wants us flexible and he wants us durable. He wants us to bend, but he also wants us straight. Sounds like an oxymoron. He wants us, you know, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be snapped. God wants us to bend. He wants us to be flexible. See, they had shallower roots, but they could bend all the way down. You see them in the hurricanes, those, the, the palm trees touching the ground and then they bounce back up. But the cedars of Lebanon have a root system that interlock with other trees and they're straight and they're they're impenetrable by pests. I love that. We're going to break this down more as we go through into this series. But uh, let me just read the end and then we're going to pray. But those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. They will, stay, stay, they, will, they will still bear fruit in old age and they will stay fresh and green. They will stay fresh. Blessed are those who are planted. Everyone say planted in the house of the Lord. I just want to say this as we go into 2018. Um, I think as I've just watched the church here and I've watched things move and by Stephen and I've watched things move and some of the things that excite me about what's happened over the last two years, again, when you look back, you, you can look at it from all different perspectives. But when I look at it and I, at the top of the year, I think, God, you've been so faithful. Um, one of the things that's happened this last year is um, and I just want to really give honor where honor is due here, that uh, Jeremy and Diana have done an amazing job of bringing strength, stability, and security to the house. And uh, the house um, is secure and it is stable um, because of their leadership. Can we just honor them, church? And honor them. For... And going, going into the new, they just want to know that they're going to continue to do that. There's not really any, a lot of change here I'm talking about. I'm just kind of just saying what is happening where it is. Um, but they're going to continue to um, 
be the pastors on the ground. They will continue to lead the staff. They'll continue to take care of the day-to-day runnings of the church and taking a care for you lot, which they do so well. Amen? So there's not really any uh, change there. Here's one change we are going to add to our eldership. Right now, the elders of the church are three couples. It's uh, Fee and I. Um, the wash goes in the Trentham's. And we're going to add, at the last Sunday in January, another couple to our eldership. And that is the Stoltz, Rich and Hannah. They're not here today. Um, but we're going to have some other pastors come in from some of the other churches and come and stand with us. And we're going to lay hands on them and set them into eldership. Isn't that great? So, I, um, amen. Uh, I am going to teach on, on eldership. What is biblical eldership? What does that look like? Um, that's a funny sounding word. Why do we have elders? We're not Mormons, are we? Or uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. But what does, what does biblical eldership look like? So I'm going to teach on that um, when I get back. Um, but church, it's really exciting. Um, uh, Rich and Hannah, for you, those of you who don't know, have actually been in the church here a long, long time. They went away for studies in Florida, uh, to Tallahassee, and somewhere else. Um, Tennessee, um, and they're coming back here. We're going to set them into eldership, which is great. Um, Fee, going into 2018, again, there's no change here, but Fee is going to continue to lead the worship team and uh, lead us on into the presence of God, which she is passionate about. Um, And my role, um, again, it's not really a change. It's really just calling it for where it is right now. We are going to continue to, uh, Fee and I, to set the direction for the church. Um, I say this in probably most of the churches. My main, my main charge is to care for vision and heart. Will you say that with me? Vision and heart. They're the two things that I really care most about. The vision of the church, the vision of the churches, and the heart. That's in character, it's integrity, um, to make sure that the, we get to where we need to get to. So I'll continue to do that, set the vision, set the direction for the church here, and lead the eldership. But the day-to-day runnings of the church uh, is in capable hands of the Trentham's, who that's their sphere of eldership, to care for the church here, to pastor the church, and to be responsible for the day-to-day runnings of the church. Um, I just want to say this as well. I mentioned it earlier. Psalm 133 says, um, where brothers dwell together in unity, God commands a blessing. And there's something happening even in the city with other churches. And um, where there's unity, and I mean real unity, God commands a blessing. Unity is not uniformity. It's the celebration of diversity. And Fee and I were in a, I don't know if I told you this, we were in a, in a, in a restaurant recently with another pastor, getting to know them. And the waitress uh, came up and she just kept coming back. She goes, um, Fee, Fee had a word for her and was talking to her. And she said, what is that smell? There's such a strong fragrance on this table. And I just have to keep coming back. She keep coming back and she was like, what's that smell? I was like, don't know and in the end we just realized that what she was encountering was the presence and the fragrance of God because of the unity that was there isn't that awesome you know there's a fragrance that we can let off the fragrance of death or we can let off the fragrance of God and that's why and you know when there's unity real unity God commands a blessing and if we want the Holy Spirit to come which I know we do in a fresh way we want God to breathe fire again and fall on us afresh I'd encourage you fight for unity stamp out negativity dissension God hates it in fact it's detestable to him there's six things that God hates but the seventh is detestable he who stirs don't allow it say stop please stop it please stop it please stop it we want the blessing of God in this house amen all right I'm going to close um I just want to say just in the end just make this year count church make this year count We'll be back in, in a little bit, but as you leave this year and we turn over the clocks, turn over into a new year tonight at midnight, there's certain things I believe we need to leave behind. And we're going to pray in just a moment. I'm going to finish with this. It's in First uh, Corinthians chapter 9. And Paul says in verse 24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way, listen carefully now. In fact, just close your eyes. Run in such a way as to get the prize. For everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown. There it is. They do it to get a crown. Everyone say crown. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like someone running aimlessly. Do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strive 
and I strike my, my body with blows to make it a slave so that after I myself have preached to others, I will not be disqualified from the prize. We do it to get, the world does it to get a crown that will not last, but we get it for a crown that will last forever. But you know the truth is, and this is what Revelation 4 chapter, uh, verse 10 says, the elders took off their crowns and they laid them before the Lord and worshipped. So this crown that we get, that is made from the ups and downs, that's made from the valley lows and the mountain peaks, in the end give us a crown. If we don't give up, if we don't give become weary and give up we don't grow weary but we say God I'm here I'm going to run this race and I'm not going to run it aimlessly I'm not going to run it like beating the air God I'm going to get focused this year I'm going to leave things behind I said this to some of the leaders the other night but church I, I woke up the other morning and you know in that those few seconds where you're half conscious and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said this do not touch dead things son do not touch dead things and in closing today, church, I want to leave you with that. Don't touch dead things. There are things in the past that you need to leave behind. There's things in 2017 that need to stay in 2017. That when the clock turns 12 tonight, then we wake up tomorrow morning to our alarms. That we open into a new day. Is it just a calendar? Yes, it is. But I believe it's a marker. Hebrews says, run the race with perseverance. The race that has been marked out for you. See today, see tonight at 12 o'clock as a marker. For the rest of your life what, what am I going to do what am I going to leave behind just very quickly I'm just going to say this Psalm 92 those who are planted in the house of the Lord will thrive in the course of their God there's a difference between being potted and being planted and as this series unfolds there are things about pots that if we're in a pot that we can never have that will never happen that will only happen, they can happen in a pot which will restrict us until we get planted. Number one, you can't grow beyond the size of your pot. Here's a pot, church. You can't grow beyond the size of your pot. If you're a potted Christian, God says, this is the word of the Lord to us today. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will thrive in the course of their God. There's a difference between being potted and those who are being planted. If you're a potted, you cannot grow beyond the size of your pot. The root system is restricted. And I believe as we go into this new year, some of you need to smash some pots. Because so often we, we, we are scared of growth. We're scared of advance. We're scared of fruitfulness. So we stay in our restricted place. But God doesn't want us in a restricted place. We're going to smash that in a minute. I'm going to pray. All right, are you ready? I got your attention now, don't I? We should start smashing some pots. If you smoke pot, you can smash that too. People, somebody on the back row is like, what? <laughs> Number two, if you're in a pot, you can't feed yourself. If you're in a pot and you're not planted in the house of the Lord, you're pot bound, but you're also cannot feed yourself you have to be fed by somebody else and I believe God wants a church that is mature and can self feed a church that can put roots down because they're planted in the house of the Lord which will draw up nourishment thirdly I've only got three pots you are movable by others you are movable by others and you're movable by circumstance if you're in a pot and you're not planted, somebody can pick you up or circumstance can pick you up. Circum is where we get the word circle from. It's that which goes on around me. It's the circle. What is going on in my circumstance? Are they causing me to be uprooted? Are they causing me to be moved? One of my favorite scriptures in Acts 20 where Paul, Paul is talking and he says, all I know is the next city that awaits me is hardship and imprisonment. And he says this, None of these things move me. I love that, King James. But none of these things move me. Church, I believe God wants us planted and immovable next year. Obviously, the opposite is true when we're planted. When we're planted, you can grow in depth and in breadth. Number two, you
You can feed yourself. And number three, you're not movable by others or by circumstances. We close with this. What pot do I need to smash in 2017 so I can be planted to be fresh and green in 2018? What pot do I need to smash? Let's stand together. Some of you, just close your eyes again and I pray. Some of you need to smash that pot of unforgiveness, anger, habitual patterns. Well, I've been like that all my life. Yeah, and it's restricted you all your life. But you know what? Even in old age, you can be planted in the house of the Lord and you can thrive and stay fresh and green so Father right now I just thank you that you crowned the year with good things I thank you for all the things that have been so good this year and I ask that we would bring them all to the surface and that we would learn the power of thanksgiving as we gather the pieces from the last miracle and learn to take them into the storm and look down and remember your faithfulness that you've just done. God, I, I, I thank you that you've called us to be planted in the house of the Lord so that we can thrive in the courts of you, O oh God. And Lord, for every pot person in this church, pot of thinking of that makes us pot bound that restricts restricts us that causes us to stay in a place of immaturity where we can't feed ourselves. and I ask that they would be smashed today God they would be broken and those roots could be exposed and you would plant us afresh like Psalm 1 blessed is the man who is planted by streams of living water which yield their fruit in season And I speak that and I bless that over this church. I thank you for this amazing people. I thank you for for a people that truly are in this room today. People that are palm trees and cedars of Lebanon. People who are flexible and durable. That have stood the test of time. That truly are, have got crowns from the ups and the downs. But they stood there with them and they offer them to you. And God, we offer them all to you today. And we say, thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you crowned the year with good things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I encourage you as you drive home today, think about these pots. You can take one if you like. I've got some more back there. Maybe I'll bring them out. You can take a pot and smash it on your own. You can smash it into the garbage can. You can throw it down the waste disposal if you like. But smash it. And I'm serious. Ask the Lord, what am I going to leave behind? What am I, what's restricting me? What's restricting life? And I'm going to break it and shatter it. And I'm going to be planted in your house and thrive and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Amen. Love you so much, church. We'll see you in a few weeks.